Springfield in 1863, General John S. Marmaduke planned to take control of a building located now at the corner of Grant and Grand Street and was being used as a prison by the Union Army. When they arrived, they found the building had been abandoned, so Marmaduke instructed one of his soldiers to remain in the building to claim it for the Confederates and then took the rest of his army to join the ongoing battle. However, they did not search the attic of the building where a Union soldier was waiting because he was instructed to do the same thing by his general. Therefore, the building was simultaneously controlled by the Union and Confederate Army throughout the duration of the battle. Live to a hard drive from the 16th floor of the Hammond's Tower. You're a little... <laughs> nope, gonna do it again. <laughs> Nope, no, let's take it for beer. <laughs> You're listening to the 34th episode of what's what's it called? Spring Food Mo, uh, yes. America's number uh-huh. one podcast about restaurants in Springfield, Missouri. It's a lot harder whenever you mess up halfway through. Yeah, shake that rust off. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's a couple been like, weeks since we've been, has been in the studio. I've really missed it. It, I think about it all the time. It's like, oh, last last weekend we didn't get, didn't get to do it. It was kind of nice to have a Sunday off, but at the same time, I was like, oh, man, I miss my buddy. It's been weird not thinking or like texting about it all the time. Like, <laughs> it, it feels like it was just over <laughs> for some reason, but yeah. it's not. I'm Dan Howell, by the way. Hi, Dan. That fact comes to us from Jared Cantrell from a podcast from SGF. He's a cool dude. Out there recommending our show to people on other podcasts. Pretty awesome. Making the rounds, just uh, getting that free plug out. So many other Springfield podcasts I had no idea. He was on this one called Real Estate, and it was really good. It's like this dude who's a firefighter and a bartender, works at 4x4, has his own show. Been running a lot longer than ours, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good. So Yeah, go check it out. Yeah. But not before you listen to ours. <laughs> <laughs> Dan did some neat stuff last weekend that he's going to talk about. As our devoted listeners will know, I went on a little trip last week. That's why we had to kind of double up on recordings. Went to a couple excellent concerts, but I don't really even want to get into those right now. Nobody cares about music. No, why would they? Even though we constantly try to shoehorn Music's it into this lame. dumb podcast. <laughs> I did go see a couple bands this weekend. The one I'd like to highlight is Mr. Open Mike Eagle. Went and saw him in Kansas City. But more importantly than that, have you guys ever been to Winstead's? Wait, is this a What You Eaten segment? This is a What You Been Eaten. Okay. What you eating? What you, what you eating? What you eating? What you eating? What you, what you eating? What you eating? What you eating? What you, what you eating? What you eating? What you eating, baby? Have you have you guys been... It's delicious. That it is. Andy, have you ever experienced Winstead Steak Burgers in Kansas City, Missouri? No, I have not. But if you recall, Taylor's Steak Burgers sort of spun off from Winstead's. No. Yeah. Thanks for paying attention to the bio section that I labor over (laughs) intensely. So Winstead's (laughs) is like Taylor's, except I'd say 150 times better. <laughs> um, I have never been to Taylor's. I've lived here my whole life. Never been. I, I mean, it's kind of hard to get to if you have like a... I've heard, If you're yeah. working during the day. It's and not on my radar. Don't have cash on you. Mm-hmm. But Winstead's, I, I would recommend anybody going to a show in the Kansas City area. If you don't know where to eat afterwards, it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, drive through. The inside looks like it hasn't changed since like 1982. It's all just like bright teal and it's incredible. The coloring is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Everything is like under $3. All the steak burgers. You have to order like lettuce and tomatoes extra. Oh, Um, lettuce is 15 cents to be put on your burger. (laughs) So um, if you don't, like have the kind of money that andy and i have it it really might be kind of tough for you to make it out there but 
Yeah, I I had never even heard of this place, and I, I think I'll stop there after every single concert. Here to fourth. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Any other good stuff? Went to another show in Tulsa and stopped by the Saturn Room Lounge, I think it is. Maybe just the Saturn Room. Uh-huh. I think uh, our guests, Jen and Rogan, may know about this place. It's a specialty style bar. Onion rings? <laughs> yes, like the Saturn Ring. Uh-huh. Andy, I don't know. I didn't have any food there. Mm. Um, oh, why I, are you talking about it? It's more of a bar. Um, I'm talking about it because they have cacti out in the open in their patio area. One of which I backed into. Oh, my hazard. Safety hazard. Very much so. I had not had much to drink, maybe like one drink before a nice show. And afterwards of milk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I had one glass of milk before a show. It wasn't the cacti that got me like by backing right into it. It was brushing off my pants afterwards. I got some of the real small fibrous ones. You can see it right there. Right there. He's got blisters on his fingers. I'm showing Andy a finger that I would normally show him, uh, except the other side of it. And there's been a cactus needle in there. Wow. That's all. That's a stupid (laughs) stupid thing you did, Dan. (laughs) I think it's stupid of the the Saturn Room Lounge. Yeah, it's their fault. I would say that. You should give him a call. I'm going to. I'm going to have Jen and Rogan head down there (laughs) and uh, use their tiki prowess. Tiki prowess. (laughs) Well, thanks for giving us an update on your finger state status, Dan. Thank you. (laughs) I suppose it's about time we introduce our guest today. Our guest is Eleanor Taylor from Prairie Pie. Hey, (laughs) y'all. Was I close enough? Thank you for coming. Thank you for making your delicious pies. Yes, thank Thank you you so much. (laughs) Thank you for your glowing review in one of your most recent podcasts. Yeah. I mean, You're if we could talk welcome. about them every episode, we <laughs> probably would. We're They're, just starting a new segment where we just review one of your pies at the end of every episode. Just I give like us an that. excuse to eat one. There are currently eight small pies in the other room oh, that are still no. warm waiting Why? for you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Actually, my dad's birthday was just recently, and uh, he loves pecan pie, so I grabbed a little pecan pie of yours. I should tell you he is diabetic so there's a good chance you may have killed my dad he, he seemed to be fine about a week later he uh, was good okay my dad's but, diabetic too and he's not allowed to eat my oh pies man. but he still does i did not so. get to see him actually taste it unfortunately because there was already a cake provided this was just sort of a side pie that i brought wow, on my he's part. definitely dead but uh he could be dead a side pie <laughs> yes okay <laughs> Can you write that down? It almost works. Sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Eleanor gave us a list of restaurants that she might be interested in reviewing on the show. And the one that we all settled on was Druff's. Can you tell us why you picked Druff's? And it's okay if there are certain conflicts of interest. (laughs) What? No, there's none. (laughs) I picked Druff's because I'm a crazy sandwich person. And I really just wanted an excuse to talk about sandwiches. Yeah. And this is it. Awesome. So I guess we should learn a little bit about it, huh? That was very natural. <laughs> yes, I, we're, we're really getting back into the swing of recording this. Okay. Now, I think now it's where I hit play. Yes. John T. Woodruff was born in Crawford County, Missouri in 1868. 
he eventually went to law school and became prosecuting attorney of Crawford County before going on to work at a private firm in St. Louis. In 1904, Woodruff's career took him to Springfield, where he worked as full-time in-house counsel for Frisco Railroads. Shortly after the move, Woodruff formed Springfield Trust Company, through which he developed and or invested in a staggering number of major enduring construction ventures, including the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, the FedMed Prison, Missouri State University, and Drury. Each of those has its own story, and Woodruff worked on many other similar projects as well. And you know what? Here's one more, just because. In the 1920s, Woodruff played a key role in successfully pitching the federal government on an expansion of the U.S. highway system through Springfield, making the city a viable and convenient stop for travelers as well as dramatically boosting the local economy. You know the name of this highway system, even if you don't think you do. John T. Woodruff is at least partially responsible for our humble burg's inclusion in Route 66, which effectively transformed Springfield from a small railroad town to the type of mid-sized city it is today. To be clear, Woodruff's actions were not philanthropic. No, he profited immensely from the highways, mostly by building hotels and businesses all around town and issuing loans to others seeking to do the same. John T. Woodruff was basically Springfield's rich Uncle Pennybags, also known as Mr. Monopoly. Come on, let's play Monopoly. Cash fun and ritzy property. I'll build a house and watch my fortune grow. Passing go. Only one of John T. Woodruff's buildings bore the original Springfield's uncle's name. The 10-story Woodruff Building, located at 331 Park Central, just east of the square, mostly housed offices for law firms. At one point, the Woodruff Building was also home to the state of Missouri's Court of Appeals. In 1929, Woodruff the Man sold Woodruff the Building to F.X. Herr, the son of another local real estate magnate. Over 1959 and 1960, Herr renovated, expanded, and modernized the Woodruff Building, giving it the sleek blue exterior it has today. The Herr Company went on to sell the structure in 1994 to a Bolivar developer named Warren Davis. In 2014, the Woodruff Building was acquired by a development company called the Vecino Group, which sounds like a deep state organization from a paranoid conspiracy thriller. Vecino Group renamed the Woodruff Sky 11, a change they tried to posit as a tribute to the Woodruff Building's history since it first opened in 1911. You know what would have been a fitting tribute to the Woodruff Building's history? Keeping the name The Woodruff Building and not replacing it with a nonsensical word jumble. Fortunately though, the Woodruff name lives on, at least partially. In 2016, young restaurateurs Vance Hall and Andrew Heilman opened Druffs, a grilled cheese specialty spot in the southeast corner of Sky 11. H&H claim that they've been friends since their first day of high school, when they were seated next to each other in alphabetical order. Prior to Druffs, Heilman had been co-owner of Scotch and Soda, and Hall had been general manager of the Gilloys as well as worked for Mother's Brewing Company. The pair had intended to go into business together for a while. Eventually, like many entrepreneurs we've covered on this show, Hall and Heilman saw an empty culinary niche in Springfield and filled it. 
much like a sliver of sharp cheddar might fill the gap between a couple pieces of sourdough. Fans of grilled cheese sandwiches might be keen to say that their gooey favorite is the best thing since sliced bread, but that wouldn't quite be accurate. James L. Kraft patented packaged sliced cheese in the 1910s and the mass marketing of sliced bread first occurred in 1928. Almost immediately, as if through sheer intuition, hungry consumers began sticking cheese slices between bread slices. Or perhaps more than intuition, it was desperation. The cheese sandwich became extremely popular by necessity during the Great Depression as one of the cheapest possible belly fillers. The popularity of the budget-friendly delicacy continued after the country's economic situation improved, and the grilled cheese has been a staple ever since. Fast and easy and always tasty. Unless you burn it. It wasn't really until the early 2000s that the artisanal grilled cheese craze kicked off, when restaurants began selling souped-up versions, hee-hee, made with high-end ingredients rather than like the always-safe stuff my mom always used. It should come as no surprise that one of the first places to try this was in Portland, Oregon, a food truck called the Grilled Cheese Grill. It should come as even less of a surprise that I will now mention that I lived in Portland for a little while. I did try the Grilled Cheese Grill and I thought it was pretty good. They do this burger where both sides of the bun are a whole grilled cheese. It's excessive. Anyway. Druff's, Springfield's premier and only premium grilled cheesery, serves about a dozen variations of the sandwich, each named for friends of the owners or for personal references only those friends will understand. The sandwiches come on sourdough or wheat and feature a diverse array of cheeses, meats, and other more unique and adventurous fillings. You can get a grilled cheese with cheddar, cream cheese, bacon, and jalapeno, or one with mozzarella, gouda, and pepperoni. Or maybe you'd like the goat cheese, pork, and strawberry grilled cheese. Those are just a few of the options. Druff's also serves desserts and salads and a vegan patty melt made with burgers produced by a pretty cool dude. Did I mention beer? Druff's has a bar too and they will serve you beer from behind that bar and you can drink it while you eat. And soup and soup. They also have soup. Tomato all the time and a rotating daily special. Druff's has a simple and accurate mantra. Grilled cheese, hot soup, cold beer. They also serve all that other stuff and breakfast and pie, which can and should be synonymous if you want to live forever. Much like Stephen King, <laughs> I don't know how to end things. <laughs> <laughs> also, you really like cocaine. <laughs> no, not true. <laughs> Never true. <laughs> so Druffs, plus a whole lot of other stuff. Druffs and stuff. I've been to Druffs several times before we did it for the podcast. Had you been there before, Dan? Nope. And your pies served there, Eleanor, so I can only yes. assume you'd been there before. Several times, yes. Yeah. So when you walk into Druffs, at least during the day, you'll notice that the interior is sleek and bright, that the general aesthetic is... Uh, Kind of a modernized take on a traditional 50s diner. Everything there has a checkerboard color scheme, a bright white as the base color and black as a secondary. The space is similar to the one we covered at the aviary a few weeks ago, not in terms of aesthetic, but in how its corner location allows for two full walls of windows, which makes what's actually a pretty small space feel much more open and airy. 
The floor plan and seating arrangements also help with that. When you walk in, the bar's on the right, and across from that is a bank of booths. There are tables further back and some elevated booths in the space just past the bar. They're one of my favorite things. They have these plants in wood boxes that hang up above the windows. I like that a lot. The kitchen, if you want to call it that, is behind the bar. It's mainly a prep counter and a large griddle. You can watch the staff making everything to order, and it's, uh, it's pretty rad if they're busy and they're hustling. Yeah, I imagine you can see the griddle from just about everywhere in the restaurant. I do like that it's right there whenever you walk in. Like, that's kind of the first thing you hear is just something sizzling off totally. the griddle and like you can smell it immediately. And that is actually not something that they brought to the space. Did either of you ever go to Toasters, the breakfast spot it was before? I think Toasters have been closed for several years once Struff's open, but it was a place for me in college 10 plus years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like nine. I think I graduated in 2010. Yeah, well, it was called SMS whenever Andy That's went. not true. It was definitely MSU. <laughs> and he always but talks about it. <laughs> during the t- my time at SMSU, I would go to Toasters a lot because it's very cheap and they had that sort of open uh, kitchen space there at that time also. Now, my favorite part of drafts like the general aesthetic and interior is uh the huge framed photos on the wall by julie blackman who may or may not be related to someone in the room right now Ooh, <laughs> yes is it me <laughs> <laughs> it's your grandmother <laughs> oh cool she has passed <laughs> oh my <laughs> Uh, yes, my Aunt Julie took those photographs, the wonderful photographs on yeah. the wall there. There's several of them, and they're all massive. Yeah, it's great. Unfortunately, I am not in any of them. Ooh, gotta <laughs> um, remedy that. I am in several of her other works, though, so check it out, julieblackman.com. I think my mom is in one that's there at Druff's, but definitely my cousins. Yeah, yeah Druff's so needs cool. to get a hold of one with you in it. They <laughs> they're serving your pies. They, need the, they could point right to the wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's pretty well known on a national level. She it's is. not just a Springfield thing with her, and deservedly so. The photos are these kind of hyper-real neighborhood scenes, like these flat images. I don't mean that in a negative way. They're flat and that everything's in focus, mm. almost in the way like a, an animation cell would be. Just making sense. Like <laughs> there's no, it's like two dimensions fully. Sure. It is, all of her photos are supposed to be sort of fantastical and just the fact of depicting like the lives of my aunts and what they do uh, day to day. Yeah. That's awesome. I find them like warm and familiar, but also like just just slightly unsettling. Is that <laughs> a little dark? I'm trying not to be. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm trying it. not to say something that maybe isn't there <laughs> that I'm reading into it. It's like just like, like something a little bit off, a little bit, a little bit kooky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're getting into the minds of housewives here. Oh, you got to see that darkness just a bit, like a David Lynch movie. It's just like what's right beneath the surface of like the suburban <laughs> life. I don't yeah. know. I can't picture these pictures. I, of course, took out all my meals. So oh, it was right. only in, I was just like barely in the doorway every time of Druff's and parked illegally every time. <laughs> <laughs> You're a criminal. <laughs> I am. I really thought I was going to get towed this last time. The photos are the only objects in the room that deviate from that black and white aesthetic and the colors in the photos really pop because of that, make the whole room kind of pop. I just, I just love sitting in this restaurant it's just a great place to be yeah absolutely i think one of the reasons i picked it is because of how peaceful it is to just sit there and you can see a lot in the photos you can stare at them it's kind of like a i spy but also the brightness of it in there i think is really calming for me i'm i'm a big person about 
the aesthetic of a restaurant, I think it means a lot to me. So yeah. you get a really nice view of like a very specific chunk of downtown mm-hmm. as yeah. well through all those windows, like a very kind of green area of our downtown. Totally. It's just a cool space. Dan, when you did your first takeout order of how many? <sighs> Andy, three takeout <laughs> orders. We had two weeks. It, it, this has been That's a while true, in yeah. the making, but... Uh, We're going to be reviewing both breakfast and dinner at Druff, so let's start with breakfast. Dan? I had quite the experience with Druff's. My very first takeout order was after my first concert experience of the great concert weekend of 2019. Went and saw Death Grips in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Kane's Ballroom. They played from 8.01 to 9 p.m., no opener, 59 minutes, 20 songs, quite possibly the best show I've ever been to. That's my kind of show. It Mm -hmm. was, they're so respectful. We could have driven home and been home before midnight. It was insane. We did not. I was there with my lovely girlfriend and Blake. Never heard of her. And his friend, David. You literally haven't. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to get some ideas of what to eat at this Druff's place. And Blake and David had quite a few suggestions for me. It seemed like they had been to Druff's a number of times. Blavid. Blavid. Blake in particular had a lot of praise for the cornbread crumble. Mm. Is this something that either of you have had? No. You unfortunate souls. Well, they're still going to be open when we finish. <laughs> Blake really <laughs> talked this cornbread crumble up, and I must start with saying I'm not the biggest cornbread fan. I'm also not the biggest sausage fan, which is the protein on the cornbread crumble. Let me, let me just get into this real quick. I wish that you would. Two over easy eggs, cornbread crumble, sausage, fresh greens, and cheddar cheese. The cornbread was crumbled into pretty large chunks. They were a beautiful cornbread yellow, but browned where the pan met the bread. So brown that at first I thought they were slightly burned, but I assure you they were not. I think most of the cornbread I've had in my life has been dry cornbread, but not this cornbread. It was soft and moist, but not at all mushy. It's sweet, but not in a candy way. The vixen that is my girlfriend, the dime piece, you already know, (laughs) speculated that maybe there was vanilla Mm. in the cornbread. The browned edges had an even richer, almost caramelized flavor. The cornbread was the absolute star of this show, much like Urkel in Family Matters. (laughs) Maybe not billed as the star originally, but whew. Well, he wasn't in it at the beginning, right? Kind of took I think over he was in later. it, but he took he certainly took over the show from this is important, <laughs> Mr. Bell Johnson. <laughs> and the cornbread serves many purposes. The chunks are laid over fresh greens, a mix of spinach and maybe arugula, wilted by the heat of the cornbread, adding a nice bit of color and texture. The sausage, my least favorite breakfast meat, was delicious. It has you, a less bold flavor. You went with the meat sausage and not the Jake's vegan sausage that's available there. I didn't want to sub anything out. Sure. And as you know, Jake and I have a pretty bitter feud. <laughs> um, I did not know. <laughs> you are two of my closest friends. Did not know about this. Oh, he knows what he did. <laughs> Please, more. Tell us more. <laughs> about the crumble? No. <laughs> about well, the feud. that's what you're getting. <laughs> the sausage was delicious, of course. 
It had a less bold flavor than typical breakfast sausage. Instead, a nice, sweet, porky maple-type flavor. It's crumbled on top of the crumble and matches the texture of the cornbread almost perfectly. There's plenty of sausage throughout, but never overpowers the cornbread. Often you can't tell whether you're eating cornbread or sausage or both. And then the eggs were cooked perfectly over easy with a ton of yolk still contained until my fork pierced it, even with the very small drive that I had to make. 2,000 pounds of yolk. <laughs> yes. An absolute <laughs> metric S ton of yolk. It spilled out onto the cornbread, coating the delicious sweet cornbread, sausage, cheddar, and greens with savory yolk. This may be my favorite dish I've had for this podcast. Wow. I don't know what else to say about it. Oh, I boy wrote down notes in a very Andy way. I'm proud of you. I'm going to tell you so good about it. I just want to thank Blake. I want to thank the Academy. <laughs> I want to thank Druffs. I want to thank Eleanor for suggesting Druffs. I was talking to someone this week about how unprepared you are, but also how you're able to just show <sighs> up and do it. And it sounds just as good as when and when I have everything written out. That sounded pretty and, good, though. <laughs> I I, no, it was that great. That was amazing. I, I take it all back. The person that I was talking to, who is almost certainly listening to this right now. Yeah. No, I, I see why you do it. That sounded very nice. I had to be extra effusive about this cornbread crumble. I mean, we'll get into our sandwiches later, but I think this place should be called Druff's Cornbread Crumble House. <laughs> I think it's the only thing that they, they, they should sell. Sorry, Eleanor, with your pies. Like, crumble house is not a good combination. <laughs> no, like no, it needs to be a crumbling house of <laughs> cornbread. Um, we can workshop this. Get a hold of me, uh, Druff's owners. I know and, the owner. We can we can get it working. Yeah, I, 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 they should take everything else off their menu. Wow. That's just me and my friend Blake, who... I'm going to write in the streets if there's no grilled cheese for me to eat, though. <laughs> oh, I, I Listen, tr- I'm just try happy, the crumble. I'm happy for your passion, but I can't. No, we got to leave all the other stuff on I the mean, menu. I'll, I'll get into my other two meals, but all right. I, I, I did like them. But the crumble, I think definitely upon further review, deserves to be in the Spring Food Mo Perfect Dish Pantheon. Wow. That's all I'm saying. Did you, Well, I haven't had it, so we can't do it today. I know. I almost told you to yeah. get it for this purpose, but I wanted to keep the surprise that would have been an ethical violation yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have a strong code of ethics and that is in the bylaws did you get that your second time as well the crumble yeah okay good. <laughs> <laughs> blue <laughs> you know i was i was gonna make it a little surprise but yes before we drove up to kansas city for that second concert both me and my girlfriend got the cornbread crumble she got something else who even knows what it is the first time it literally doesn't matter she liked the taste of the cornbread crumble so much from the bite she had the first time that we both had to get you it let the her have time. a bite. I, I think I had snuck away to the bathroom is what Ooh. it was. I often use the bathroom about midway through each of my meals. Hmm. That's not a sign of anything. <laughs> and she, she stole a little taste then as she often does. <laughs> Eleanor, what did you order for breakfast this week? For breakfast this week, I did the Backwoods sandwich. It is my favorite all-time breakfast sandwich. You're hitting it with the good yummy toasted bread. You've got fried eggs. You've got chicken. You've got cream cheese and jalapeno jelly. And I can't tell you what this jalapeno jelly means to me. It's uh, a true winner of my heart. Um, Do you know its origin? 
No. Okay. <laughs> the jalapeno plant. <laughs> it comes from the udder of the jalapeno cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very delicious. The legendary jalapeno As most cow. jellies do. <laughs> come from of course. The cow. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. You're learning so much this week. <laughs> Feels so much worse for vegans than I did before. No jelly. Just that hint of sweetness from the jalapeno jelly makes the whole sandwich come together so, so well. I'm a chicken gal, so this chicken gets me going in the morning time. You get the side of fruit with that. Got the grapes. You got the pineapple. Real great start to the day. I can't stress the bread enough. You got that crispy bread. You bite uh-huh. into it, and it's delicious. Very buttery. Buttered. They, they butter it up. They do. I went with a small group for breakfast last Sunday. It was pretty busy. Not overrun or anything, but still busy. I ordered the waffles with peanut butter, honey, and banana. Because I didn't have a choice, the menu said the words peanut butter, so I was powerless. I it's almost your version of the D-Dict. Uh, 100%. <laughs> Except it's not official. It's just... And I think you call yours by an actual English non-made-up word. Yeah. It, no, I, I just say I, that I love peanut butter. <laughs> That's all. I also ordered a side of hash browns and added cheese for quote-unquote half a dollar according to the menu, not 50 cents, but half a yep. dollar, which I enjoyed the uh, wording there. The waffle was circular, similar to a Belgian waffle, but it was not light, airy, and crispy in the Belgian style. The Druff's waffle was much more substantial, it was heavy and dense, almost like cake. I do prefer a crispy waffle, but I enjoyed this one a lot. It had a slight crispiness to the outside, which made a nice base for the toppings. It was rich and tasty, not too sweet. Speaking of sweetness... The waffle did not come with syrup, nor did I ask for any. I figured the honey would be sufficient, which was correct. The peanut butter, I believe, was some kind of no-stir, all-natural, creamy variety, which is a fine choice, even though I prefer crunchy. I think they'd heated it up, uh, liquefied it a little bit, because it didn't have the density of PB straight out of the jar. The bananas came as a moderately thin ovular slices. <laughs> I'm not sure about that word. <laughs> I don't think it's ovular. <laughs> could be referring to something else. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This is about me, not Druffs. I don't like bananas that much. And I especially don't think they go all that well with peanut butter. Or maybe they do. And I just love peanut butter so much that anything else I'm tasting is an obstruction to the peanut butter taste. I could have ordered this waffle without the banana, but much like Dan earlier... I felt like it was important to take it as it came mm-hmm. to uh, enjoy that trio of P, B, B, and honey. <laughs> oh, T, B, B, and H. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. Tasty waffle. Really enjoyed it. Now, I liked the waffle, but I loved the hash browns. Not just the hash browns alone, which were crispy on the outside and warm and soft on the inside, but the hash browns with cheese and Cholula hot sauce poured Ooh. on top. That's right. Drefs has Cholula on every table, and so of course you better believe I poured a healthy portion of that hot sauce atop my cheesy browns. <laughs> it was really fantastic. Just a combination of crispy starch, creamy fat, and hot sauce. I thought that'd be funnier. <laughs> it was awesome. I almost ordered them again with my dinner a few nights later. I know some people might think it's weird switching between spicy hash browns like a sweet desserty. Waffle, but that kind of thing has never bothered me at all. How about you two? Can you easily switch between two different flavor profiles during the same meal? Absolutely. My yeah. meals consist of one bite of sweet, one bite of salty. 
the majority of the time. Excellent. Yeah, actually, my second round with the cornbread crumble, the uh, cornbread crumble rumble two, uh, <laughs> the the reckoning. <laughs> I added a little of my house sauce, uh, Valentina. I, I I'll have Cholula sometimes, Pricey. but I, I like a I like a nice uh, big old bottle of Valentina. Um, I was hitting all the cornbread with that, and I also ordered some cheesy hash browns that time, which were quite delicious. Uh, with the sauce so breakfast very tasty uh lindsay got a breakfast sandwich with egg and cheese and some kind of meat i tried to bite and found it buttery and delicious just in a general breakfast sandwich way i mean no ingredient particularly stood out she also ordered a biscuit and gravy on the side because she's a champion of a woman and i had a bite of that too with permission (laughs) that is in my notes (laughs) we made this whole big deal about that earlier and i actually have it in italics in my notes (laughs) The biscuit was good, rich and fluffy, but I have to say, I mean, I'm obligated to tell you that I, I found the gravy a little on the bland side. Could have used a little spice, a little pep, a little pepper, perhaps. That's fine. Those of us at the table that morning did discuss how much better the dress gravy was in another very popular breakfast spot in town that will remain unnamed. Just my opinion and... It's vague enough that it doesn't matter. Okay. My, my girlfriend had biscuits <laughs> and gravy on the first round as well. It's one of her favorite breakfast treats. And uh, she also had to doctor it a little bit with mm-hmm. pepper. But at $5 for two biscuits mm-hmm. and a healthy portion of gravy, it's a really great price. Totally. And I think that's fine. With gravy, it's better to be a little under-seasoned than to be over-seasoned. You just kind of let people choose their own adventure with that. So not a knock against them, just an observation. I'm not a B's and G's gal. Ooh. Oh, really? Nope. Any rationale? Just a preference? Probably trauma from childhood. My <laughs> mother's burnt biscuits and oh. her overly salted gravy. Wow. If forced, I, I could eat it. I'm sure Dreff's is great. Their biscuits <laughs> I, and gravy, is, I'm sure, is good. I sincerely hope no one forces you to eat biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's similar to some dry cornbread trauma that I have from my childhood. You that got would over normally it. keep me away from cornbread. Well, I would normally never order anything like cornbread and sausage based, mm-hmm. if not for the recommendation. You're missing out, man. There's a couple really good skillet cornbreads around town that you might need to try now that you're now that you're a cornbread man again. It's, it's if it's Let dry, it's just cornbread hor- boy. <laughs> Thank <Sounds better>. you. <laughs> Thank corn you. boy. <laughs> yes. Now that I'm a little corn boy. Sea <laughs> boy. Can I shorten it anymore? Uh, CB. <laughs> so let's move on to dinner. Dan, tell us about your dinner trip. Here we go. Let me get into my notes again. <laughs> I got the father schlink. No. That's what I got. We should have coordinated. How, how would I not get this? How, how could you look at this on the menu and yeah. not think that it was what I would order? It had Gouda, mac and cheese, barbecued pulled pork on sourdough. It was good. Um, That's your notes? <laughs> yes, that, that is the notes for my dinner portion. I spent a long time loving the cornbread crumble and the father schlink was delicious, obviously. What are your thoughts on the the starch of the mac and cheese on the starch of the bread? So their mac and cheese, I think rightly they use very thin, almost craft mac and cheese style noodles. They're not like your thicker like KFC noodles. It worked just fine. There there's a healthy enough portion of pulled pork on there to where I don't think the noodles are over starching it. 
Um, I got some nice pockets of like a creamy bechamel type cheese in there. I don't think there was a whole lot super special about the mac and cheese, but I think it was a delicious coordination there with that pulled pork. The pulled pork was awesome. Like I, I would get that on anything. I generally agree with what you said, and I will elaborate very shortly after Eleanor tells us what she had. Please. Yes, I had dinner on this past Friday alone. It was lovely. Andy style. Mm-hmm. Andy style. We call that Andy style. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I sat at the bar. I had lovely service. I went with a sandwich that was once a featured sandwich. They do a monthly, I believe, feature sandwich. And this one was so popular that they transformed it onto the new menu and it is called the crab classic oh yeah that looks good we almost went for that it is very good i am a crab rangoon gal sign me up i will eat that as a full meal do we need to play the theme i I think we probably should (laughs) play are you ready kids the textures of this sandwich are indescribable Almost. <laughs> and I will now describe them for you here. You could co-host the show with us, <laughs> yes, I'm pretty you sure. You could just host the show without <laughs> us. <laughs> Druffs, again, with the bread. That's the first thing that hits your mouth there is that bread. You're taking that bite. The bread is not cutting the top of your mouth like mm. some breads often can do, especially mm-hmm. when toasted. And then you're getting hit with this creamy, delicious filling with crab meat inside. You're also getting layers of their thick-cut bacon, bacon bits Don't inside. Do it to them. <laughs> and you've got some sort of spice. I think they put like a sweet and sour sauce or a spicy mm-hmm. sauce on there, something like that. And then you've got the green onion on there, like you typically would for a cashew chicken. Mm. The flavors of this sandwich continue to just blow my mind. I love a crab rangoon, and this is almost better. Wow. I will say almost better. Almost better than a crab rangoon. <laughs> Higher praise has almost never been sh- showered on this show. <laughs> Very quickly, where's the best crab rangoon in town? If you're going fancy, you got to go for the five spice. I think they're lobster rolls. If mm-hmm. you're going down and dirty, paying $5. I had Hong Kong Inn recently, and wow. those were pretty good. They're they very good. Yeah. They don't do crab in their mm-hmm. sauce. Doesn't matter. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm all about the cheese. Uh, cream cheese is a theme in my life, and they my, really stuff them at Hong Kong. And they do a lot of cream cheese in yeah. there. They really stuff them. <laughs> if you're going down and dirty, you're, you're going to want to go to Hong Kong in where they really stuff them. <laughs> I tried to go to Druffs on a Wednesday and found that they closed at four. I walked up about three fifty-five and just decided I'm not going to make them. Sure, you know, keep working. This is another one of those places with weird hours, folks. Be warned if you try to go. Anyway, I went back the following Thursday at about 6.45, actual human dinner time. <laughs> I ordered a Father Schlenk sandwich and a cup of tomato soup, even though my notes for some reason say a copy of tomato soup. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about the soup other than that it was savory and delicious. It was thin, but also had a lot of texture, though everything in it was still blended well enough that no component was big enough to like stick in your teeth. You know what I mean? That happens... With some soups, not this one. I got the soup mostly for dipping purposes, but it's good enough to be an entree, really. I just loved it. Now, Anybody else have soup? To clarify, you got the cup and not the little dipper. No, I, I went with the cup. Okay, okay, can sorry. We, can we get into how fantastic the idea of a little dipper is? It's great. I love it. If it, I think 
if I would have gone for a more regular style of grilled cheese besi- instead of like the pork, I would have definitely tried one of those. But alas. In the name. For me, the tomato soup is the best in town. It's not too acidic. It's so good. It's just classic. It's not trying to be anything else. It's yeah. great. That's that's a much simpler and better description than mine was. It's, it just <laughs> tastes it tastes great. I also ordered the Father Schlank. I'm just going to go through my notes exactly as I have them and not alter them, even though Dan and I got the same thing, Please. which we generally try to avoid. We just didn't uh, coordinate well enough this time. I mean, this is my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it has macaroni and cheese and pulled pork on yeah. it. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make the case that it is, in fact, mine. <laughs> <laughs> Please. The Father Schlink features Gouda, mac and cheese, and sweet pulled pork sandwiched between two slices of white sourdough bread, which had been grilled to a light brown. The bread had a little crunch, but it wasn't like toast. It was still somewhat soft and, you know, bready below the surface. The pulled pork was a little sweet and a little spicy, very tender, just delicious. The mac and cheese at least looked like Kraft mac and cheese. I couldn't really taste it beyond the texture, but I really enjoyed that extra layer of chewiness. I didn't really pick up much Gouda flavor. It was more just a general cheesiness. Mm -hmm. Maybe my cheese palate is not that refined. It mostly just tasted like cheese. So that's everything on this sandwich described separately. Now, take all of that, all those descriptions, the slightly crisp buttered bread, the sweet and spicy pork, the macaroni noodle texture, and generally rich cheesy flavor, and imagine it all happening at once, being able to taste all those elements separately at the same time. What I'm trying to convey to the two of you and our hundreds of listeners, no, seriously, I know it's hard to believe, but a few hundred people Waste an hour of their weeks listening to this. What I'm telling all of you is that this sandwich is awesome. It totally rules, as my notes say. (laughs) Calling the Father Schlink a grilled cheese sandwich is reductive. Does it a disservice? It's much more akin to something like a patty melt uh, than it is to a traditional grilled cheese sandwich. I have more to say about it. (laughs) I I see that. You're bracing yourself. (laughs) But... I feel like this is the moment when we should get to our ratings. Let's start with you, Dan. Andy, if I have one knock against Druffs, it's something we didn't get into, and that would be their chips. I know that you're not a chip boy. Eleanor, do you have you ever had their chips? Uh, yes. They are, to put it plainly, uh, ruffles. <laughs> They're plain ruffles. I, I don't know say, if they are, in fact, house-made. I thought you were going to say chippy. <laughs> they, are, they are very chippy. They are a quintessential chip. I believe they're listed as ruffles on the menu. Are they? Oh. They have an appetizer that's a little dipper in ruffles. They are, That's kind of the perfect chip for a tomato soup. I think that's probably why they're there. I also think that the doctored version of my father's schlink with the ruffles inside it was quite good. Wow. However, just as a plain chip, I think they're a little too greasy. The greasiness of the chip, along with the butteriness of the bread, is a little bit of an overload for me. I wish that they would step their chip game up just slightly. That being said, I give Druff's five cornbread crumbles (laughs) 
out of a possible five cornbread crumbles. <laughs> this is the it least, was so good. The least surprised I've ever been by a rating on this show. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I would go get one right now, and am going to goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor, your thoughts? Definitely five crab rangoons. Four drafts. Wow. Is that bad? Should I go first? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. We usually go with a building, but in this case, who cares? <laughs> this is going to be an exemption to the rule. They're so special, they don't get buildings. They get foods instead. More ratings about buildings and food. <laughs> oh, Andy. <laughs> Look at you. Mm, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I have prepared a soliloquy. Well, maybe not a soliloquy, but I've written quite a bit to say here. I've heard people express skepticism about drafts before. I've heard people knock drafts on a conceptual level, saying things like, it's just grilled cheese. Why would I pay $10 for a grilled cheese when I can make one at home? One of the people I've heard make this contemptible statement was me. I said it. Wow. A lot. I complained about the price, but... I'm here to tell you, I've seen the light, the gooey yellow light. Get it? Because cheese. It's true. Most people have butter, bread, and some stray craft singles at home. But do they have high-grade sourdough? Do they have Gouda or hot mac and cheese or fresh barbecued pulled pork? No! I don't think so. To make just about any of the sandwiches on the menu at Drafts, you have to purchase all the ingredients. You'd have to make the mac and cheese and barbecue the pork and pull it yourself and then assemble and grill the sandwich. That's what, at least a couple hours of work and like $20, $30? Plus, you got to buy a bag of Ruffles. <laughs> How many grocery stores do you have to go to? You got to go to a premium butcher shop to get the yeah. pork because they're not selling you the low-grade Hormel pork at Drafts. Or... You could walk out into Druff's and order that same sandwich for $10 and have it in your mouth in 10 minutes, and it'll be better than the rinky-dink sandwich you'd make at home because at Druff's you're getting a sandwich made by an expert, a pro, not an incompetent kitchen dunce like you. (laughs) Five Father Schlinks! We should say that not everybody at this table is an incompetent kitchen dunce. Only Andy. And <laughs> Eleanor is as far as one could be from an incompetent yes. kitchen dunce. I no, that's incorrect. I only know how to cook something if it has sugar in it. So. Oh, I, that, <laughs> and I rephrase now to bake something. Ah, uh, she is a baker, so uh, maybe she is in fact a kitchen dunce when it comes to regular cooking. Correct. Truffs, I love it. I'd been there before and I liked it, but this sandwich and the breakfast experience have uh, made me a true believer. Yeah. So much so that I just feel like I need to sing. Oh my god. <laughs> need a good cheese in Taking the cheesy way out Got a good cheese in Taking the cheesy way out now She was a grilled cheese But a bread grilled cheese It took me so long To cheese out I cheesed out <laughs> She's a big cheese she ate a pack that she's there. She's a big cheeser. 
it up half the cheese there now She was a grilled cheese Butter bread grilled cheese It took me so long To cheese out I cheesed out After that father schlink I was euphoric The sandwich really bowled me over I was like a bowling pin, Dan, hit by a bowling ball spinning around on the slick wooden alley floor, about to be swept into the darkness and by some magical mechanization be reborn, standing where I was before or right nearby. Anyway, I love the Father Schlink sandwich, and I really wanted to keep the glory going, so you know what I did, Dan? What? What you do know, because I sent you a picture of it. Uh, Eleanor, can you guess what I did? <laughs> After eating the sandwich? Yeah. No. I ordered a slice of my favorite pie in town. Ooh, Ooh. I wonder what it is. <laughs> the salted honey custard prairie pie. I couldn't resist. I've really been trying to take it easy lately. Lose some of that Chinese New Year weight. But this pie was going to happen. It was inevitable. It was more than a desire. It was my destiny. And Dan... As we've discussed, I think it's time. Do you think it's time? I I guess it's time. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to deduct the prairie pie crust into the spring food mo, spring field mo. Perfect dish pantheon. Perfect dish pantheon. (laughs) I thought you were going to play your pie song again. I was like, oh no. But yes, (laughs) this is a momentous occasion. Yeah. What an honor. Do I need to make a speech? If you want to. Yeah. Yes. It is um, required. <laughs> I would like to thank the Academy. Um, <laughs> That's just us. <laughs> which is the two of you. Thank you. And I would like to thank Butter as well as Big Dairy. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Butter. <laughs> so we chose to do the crust because there's so many different types of pie. And we didn't want to discriminate between the different types. So just pray Love pie. It crust do you have any crusts other than just the regular crust and that key lime pie so i do the graham cracker crust for the key lime pie the all butter crust for basically everything else i did just add a banana cream pie to Mm. the menu for the april month and that has a vanilla wafer crust wow which is quite delicious well right now we're inducting the first two crusts into the pantheon (laughs) upon further review the vanilla wafer crust We'll also have a chance to make uh-huh. it there, but just know you're not off the hook yet for that vanilla wafer crust. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, because we have such a special guest here today, we prepared a special segment called Life of Pi. Yes. <laughs> in which we will hear about the week in the life of a pie maker. So I was sitting in this coffee house, and this old man at the table next to me struck up a conversation. He said you had an amazing story. Let's see then, where to begin. I do a crust preparation on Sundays, enough to get me through the full week. I am joined typically most Sundays by my 
dubbed Crest Queen Anne Malden of Mother's Brewing Company. She's wonderful. Shout out to you, Anne. Thank you. We usually do about three to five hours of crest making every Sunday, and then it's all refrigerated and brings you right into Monday morning, coming into that refrigerated crest. It's had time to relax overnight, and I get to go in with my rolling pin and just roll the whole day away on Mondays. Sunday, truly the Lord's Day, if that's when the mm-hmm. crust is being made. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm saying. Correct, yes. Monday is Durst Day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Monday, rolling out crust and then also just fulfilling any orders that have come through. That's just about every day is keeping track of the orders that come through and keeping the wholesale clients up on their pies. Um, most of the pies do go out on the weekends, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So basically spending the whole beginning of the week preparing for the onslaught of pies that happen every week at the end of the week. Tuesday, the next day, crimping. I do crimps for hours on end. Crimp the large pies, crimp the mini pies. One of my favorite tasks to do. Um, And then Wednesday, preparing fillings, peeling apples, making custard fillings. Those are all prepared the day before they're used, just so... I have them ready to go whenever I need them. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm just putting pies in the oven, standing next to an oven for hours on end as well, turning the pies, trying not to eat any of the pies also. <laughs> so, Is it hard to do that? Or are you kind yeah. of burnt out? It just out? depends. My favorite pies are citrus pies. So if, if there's some extra citrus pies laying around, yeah, I'm eating it. Is there any part of the process where like you're just eating the stuff before it's become a full pie like are you are you munching on the crust bits that come out of the oven and the the fillings that this just really an insight into how i would run a business right (laughs) into the ground he would eat himself out of house and home yes before one pie was made it would all the components would be shorted no actually i mean sometimes i'll eat a few apple slices just for for breakfast but i'd rather eat just baked pie. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not trying to be healthy about it. <laughs> Patience and uh, self-control, I think, is what yeah. you're describing. Yes. No, I actually don't eat a lot of the crust. I have some people who like to to come and visit me while I'm working in hopes of getting some scraps of Ugh. raw crust, which is disgusting. You are going to start seeing me outside the window. <laughs> just I'll let you in. in the morning. I'll let you in, but you're not allowed to eat it in front of me because that's so gross. All right. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you listen to podcasts while you're working. Yes. We could just come and do this live. We could live podcast <laughs> for you. That might be a dream. Come we could make some room in the 16th floor of the Hammond's Tower kitchen, actually, yeah. if you're okay. looking to relocate. Um, not exactly. You can <laughs> come on down to Vito's. There's plenty of space. Just get us some keys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get us some keys to Vito's. <laughs> Let's go to Walmart and have some keys made. Okay. Right after this, I'll meet you there. Yeah, that's about it. I spend a lot of my time listening to podcasts and preparing pie that people will enjoy at a later time. What a life. Yeah. I, that, it's really crazy. Andy had originally pitched this as a, like, could you describe to us what one day in the life of a pie maker is? But you responded that it takes longer than one day. It's a four to five day process yes. and it makes sense that something so so delicious took so much time and preparation to get perfectly right it's crazy oh yeah to get deeper into the crust it rests for three to five days before it's baked so so we're talking nine nine days for each pie probably in, in total actually it's about 65 years what <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor is a time lord. (laughs) (laughs) 
So did I get anything wrong in your bio section from that episode? I don't believe so. I don't remember it. It was the first episode I listened to of yours, and then I went and binged all of them. But wow. So I think I clogged up my my memory of what the, <laughs> as of you've what heard. You said I don't remember anything that happens on. I don't remember thinking ca- it was incorrect. The business is mostly just me, and I'm. I guess that's what people don't know. Sometimes is that one gal handling most of it, besides you, Anne. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. We really appreciate the level of craft that goes into the pies that you make and the Thank time you. that you put into it. They're delicious, yeah. and they're pretty extraordinary, not just for Springfield, but for anywhere. They're so good. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever had better pie, and I, I've had many of your pies, and they're, each one is as good as the last. It's crazy. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I've got some pies for you guys. Fresh, hot, out of the oven. Oh, man. <laughs> so the pie you have in front of you right now is an apple, caramel apple hand pie. And I developed this specifically at the behest of Clinton McCann of Best of Luck Beer Hall. He requested an apple hand pie. He just wanted something, you know, easy to eat. They're changing their menu here in about a week or two. And this will be a featured dessert item, which changes seasonally. It will be coming up with strawberries and rhubarb here in May. A hand pie is basically a pie that you can hold in your hand because it's just a piece of crust that's been folded over. Basically like a little pocket of crust with a yummy fruit filling inside this one is for all you crust lovers out there because you get about 90 percent crust and 10 percent apple filling now you have a caramel apple hand pie in front of you so please enjoy wow dan and i are both just like <laughs> shaking our heads this is stupid how good this is <laughs> it's so awesome <laughs> i'm like how do i how am i this lucky to get to like even try something this delicious before the rest of the public does uh-huh saps <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the this is the best thing that will probably ever come of this podcast for me yep <laughs> like, we've gotten some free food before this is the best yes absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. wow thank you very much they're gonna have ice cream with this i believe this specific flavor they are serving with a maple creme fraiche mm. drizzled over the top but it would be good with an ice cream, yes. I expected it to like fall apart a little more in my hand because of the flakiness of the crust, and it does not. It retains its shape. It's super, super flaky. Like it's not too hard. It's it, it's insane. I don't know how to describe it. We noted that on our on the episode where we reviewed your pies. How do you make the texture flaky without having it actually have flakes? <laughs> I believe it has something to do with how long of a process the crust making is, how long the crust rests. But it's just flour, a little bit of sugar, pinch of salt, and a lot of butter. This, There's so much butter, it would blow your mind. So maybe <laughs> that could also be what holds it together yeah. is, is the amount of butter in the, the so crust. Is there like some special process of layering the butter in there that makes it just so, you get so many different layers of flake? Like it's It's so good. I don't know how you do. Is this regular American butter you're using? <laughs> this is. Yeah. Well, there's no specific layering. I make it in a food processor. The purist would frown on me for this, but I pulse the butter in the food processor with the flour and then I bring I take it out of the processor and bring it together with the water and the apple cider vinegar by hand. Oh man. 
Well, if there's any purists out there frowning about this, I will slap that frown upside down. <laughs> you do not know the kind of delicious thing that I've just eaten. So, to be clear, there's no lard. <laughs> no lard in any of these pies. No. Dan once described one of your pies as porky. <laughs> and uh, I disputed that claim, but... Whenever I branch into savory pies, I will definitely name a porky pie after you. Yeah. (laughs) That's very sweet, but I don't know that you want to have (laughs) your pie associated with the film Porky's at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll just be the Danny. No, no, it will be a Danny and it will have pork, yes, in it. All right. Okay. Uh Dream achieved. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like your photograph on the the menu too or on the website? I can can put your photograph as the... I say save all the photo space for the pies. You don't need my ugly mug (laughs) like next to some of your delicious prairie pies. It just wouldn't fit. You ever made a peanut butter pie? (laughs) (laughs) I have and I've tested several recipes and I just... I haven't found one that's up to my Mm. standards. I try to keep the amount of chilled pies mm. down to a minimum, and often the peanut butter is going to be like a peanut butter cream or a peanut butter chiffon. So, yeah. now you mentioned something about standards. Uh, is that like a baking term, or I've never heard of these? <laughs> Wait, what are you? <laughs> just Sandy has no standards. <laughs> I just. I, I live a very low quality life, uh, <laughs> not deserving of pies of this quality. <laughs> you are deserving. Everyone's deserving. Well, thank you so much again for coming on today. This has been a lot of fun. We mm. looked forward to it for a long time, and it's finally here, and it's about to be over, and I'm kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> Please have me back anytime. Yeah, right? Yes, we, we will. definitely will. At least once a season, so you can have the new hand pies. Great plan. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh, do you want to plug where... People can get your pies, by the way. Absolutely. You can find Prairie Pie by the Slice at Druff's, mm. at Cherry Picker Package and Fair, mm. at Vito's Kitchen. Okay. You can also find Miniature Pies on the weekends at Mama Jean's Natural Market, all three mm-hmm. locations except for the deli location, and Harrison House Market as well. Lovely little home goods store. Very cute. You can also order pies for personal pickup on our website, prairiepie.com, and pickup location is at Vito's Kitchen in downtown Springfield. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe. We really want to get back to having 1% of Springfield's population (laughs) listening to the show, so please uh, recommend it to a friend with a little personal message, if you don't mind, if you think they'd like it. Anything to add, Dan? Go out and get yourself a prairie pie and... uh, maybe associate it with this podcast here <laughs> and i think that will definitely do a boost on our numbers go to drafts get a father schlink and uh crumble thing <laughs> yeah talk very loudly about how you heard about it on some podcast this delicious crumble i'm eating because of spring food mo <laughs> yes yes people will just think you're crazy and don't know how to say the name of the town yes. you're in you're alone in this scenario <laughs> That's the way Andy eats his meals. (laughs) (laughs) This is tasty! (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Oh, we have something big planned for next week. Maybe. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to Spring Food Mo. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to support our podcast, guess what? You can. Visit support.springfoodpod.com. That's support. 
www.springfoodpod.com. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Spring Food Media. I, to, I forgot to say something. I'm going to stick in. We will be... Today we will be... Ah! If you go look at my fridge right now, Dan, this is how much my life has changed since uh, we started doing this. There's an eight-gallon jug of Sambal. Oh. It's <laughs> the good stuff. The, you know, eight-ounce bottles for $3.99 were not cutting it. Went for that $16 jug. <laughs> anyway. And I'm going to play the trailer for the movie or something. I don't know. <laughs> By prepared, I mean vaguely talked about it. We can just... We can do the trailer for the movie right here. It's like... There's tiger noises <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, oh, I'm, I'm on this boat all alone. I, 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 it's uh, orangutan. He's British. He's like he has a British accent, right? <laughs> it's like I'm in the Bible. <laughs> oh, oh, look at all this allegory here, then, isn't it? So that's that's the trailer for Ang Lee's The Life of Pi, a movie which did make me cry the first time I saw it. Um, and a movie which made me shrug because I watched it at age 32. <laughs> oh, man, it's weird that that movie came out that long ago uh-huh. oh when you were 32. Get out of here. <laughs> Go jump out the window of the tower. 